Part ten, chapter one of Indian Boyhood by Charles Eastman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part ten, Indian Life and Adventure. Chapter one, Life in the Woods. The month of September recalls to every Indian's mind the season of the fall hunt. I remember one such expedition which is typical of many. Our party appeared on the northwestern side of Turtle Mountain for we had been hunting buffaloes all summer in the region of the Mouse River, between that mountain and the upper Missouri. As our cone-shaped teepees rose in clusters along the outskirts of the heavy forest that clothes the sloping side of the mountain, the scene below was gratifying to a savage eye. The rolling yellow plains were checkered with herds of buffaloes. Along the banks of the streams that ran down from the mountains were also many elk, which usually appear at morning and evening, and disappear into the forest during the warmer part of the day. Deer, too, were plenty, and the brooks were alive with trout. Here and there the streams were dammed by the industrious beaver. In the interior of the forest there were lakes, with many islands, where moose, elk, deer, and bears were abundant. The waterfowl were wont to gather here in great numbers, among them the crane, the swan, the loon, and many of the smaller birds. The forest also was filled with a great variety of birds. Here the partridge drummed his loudest, while the whippoorwill sang with spirit, and the hooting owl reigned in the night. To me, as a boy, this wilderness was a paradise. It was a land of plenty. To be sure, we did not have any of the luxuries of civilization, but we had every convenience and opportunity and luxury of nature we had also the gift of enjoying our good fortune whatever dangers might lurk about us and the truth is that we lived in blessed ignorance of any life that was better than our own as soon as hunting in the woods began the customs regulating it were established the council teepee no longer existed a hunting bonfire was kindled every morning at daybreak at which each brave must appear and report the man who failed to do this before the party set out on the day's hunt was harassed by ridicule. As a rule, the hunters started before sunrise, and the brave who was announced throughout the camp as the first one to return with a deer on his back was a man to be envied. The legend-teller, Old Smoky Day, was chosen herald of the camp, and it was he who made the announcements. After supper was ended, we heard his powerful voice resound among the teepees in the forest. He would then name a man to kindle the bonfire the next morning. His suit of fringed buckskin set off his splendid physique to advantage. Scarcely had the men disappeared in the woods each morning than all the boys sallied forth, apparently engrossed in their games and sports, but in reality competing actively with one another in quickness of observation as the day advanced they all kept the sharpest possible lookout suddenly there would come the shrill whoo-coo-hoo at the top of a boy's voice announcing the bringing in of a deer immediately all the other boys took up the cry each one bent on getting ahead of the rest now we all saw the brave wakuta fairly bent over by his burden a large deer which he carried on his shoulders his fringed buckskin shirt was besprinkled with blood he threw down the deer at the door of his wife's mother's home according to custom and then walked proudly to his own at the door of his father's teepee he stood for a moment 
straight as a pine tree and then entered when a bear was brought in a hundred or more of these urchins were wont to make the woods resound with their voices wah 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 the brave white rabbit brings a bear wah 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 all day these sing-song cheers were kept up as the game was brought in at last toward the close of the afternoon all the hunters had returned and happiness and contentment reigned absolute in a fashion which i have never observed among the white people even in the best of circumstances the men were lounging and smoking the women actively engaged in the preparation of the evening meal and the care of the meat the choicest of the game was cooked and offered to the great mystery with all the accompanying ceremonies this we called the medicine feast even the women as they lowered the boiling pot or the fragrant roast of venison ready to serve would first whisper great mystery do thou partake of this venison and still be gracious this was the commonly said grace everything went smoothly with us on this occasion when we first entered the woods nothing was wanting to our old way of living the killing of deer and elk and moose had to be stopped for a time since meat was so abundant that we had no use for them any longer only the hunting for pelts such as those of the bear beaver marten and otter was continued but whenever we lived in blessed abundance our braves were wont to turn their thoughts to other occupations especially the hot-blooded youths whose ambition it was to do something noteworthy at just such moments as this there are always a number of priests in readiness whose vocation it is to see into the future and each of whom consults his particular interpreter of the great mystery this ceremony is called by the white people making medicine to the priests the youthful braves hint their impatience for the war-path soon comes the desired dream or prophecy or vision to favor their departure our young men presently received their sign and for a few days all was hurry and excitement on the appointed morning we heard the songs of the warriors and the wailing of the women by which they bade adieu to each other and the eligible braves headed by an experienced man old hotanka or loud-voiced raven set out for the grovant country our older heads to be sure had expressed some disapproval of the undertaking for the country in which we were roaming was not our own and we were likely at any time to be taken to task by its rifle owners the plain truth of the matter was that we were intruders hence the more thoughtful among us preferred to be at home and to achieve what renown they could get by defending their homes and families the young men however were so eager for action and excitement that they must needs go off in search of it from the early morning when these braves left us led by the old war-priest loud-voiced raven the anxious mothers sisters and sweethearts counted the days old smoky day would occasionally get up early in the morning and sing a strong heart song for his absent grandson i still seem to hear the hoarse cracked voice of the ancient singer as it resounded among the woods for a long time our roving community enjoyed unbroken peace and we were spared any trouble or disturbance our hunters often brought in a deer or elk or bear for fresh meat the beautiful lakes furnished us with fish and wild fowl for variety 
their placid waters as the autumn advanced reflected the variegated colors of the changing foliage it is my recollection that we were at this time encamped in the vicinity of the turtle mountain's heart it is to the highest cone-shaped peak that the indians aptly give this appellation our camping-ground for two months was within a short distance of the peak and the men made it a point to often send one of their number to the top it was understood between them and the war-party that we were to remain near this spot and on their return trip the latter were to give the smoke sign which would answer from the top of the hill one day as we were camping on the shore of a large lake with several islands signs of moose were discovered and the men went off to them on rafts carrying their flintlock guns in anticipation of finding two or three of the animals we little fellows as usual were playing down by the sandy shore when we spied what seemed like the root of a great tree floating towards us but on a closer scrutiny we discovered our error it was the head of a huge moose swimming for his life fortunately for him none of the men had remained at home according to our habit we little urchins disappeared in an instant like young prairie chickens in the long grass i was not more than eight years old yet i tested the strength of my bowstring and adjusted my sharpest and best arrow for immediate service my heart leaped violently as the homely but imposing animal neared the shore i was undecided for a moment whether i should not leave my hiding-place and give a war-whoop as soon as he touched the sand then i thought i would keep still and let him have my boy weapon and the only regret that i had was that he would in all probability take it with him and i should be minus one good arrow still i thought i shall claim to be the smallest boy whose arrow was ever carried away by a moose that was enough i gathered myself into a bunch all ready to spring as the long-legged beast pulled himself dripping out of the water and shook off the drops from his long hair i sprang to my feet i felt some of the water in my face i gave him my sharpest arrow with all the force i could master right among the floating ribs then i uttered my war-whoop the moose did not seem to mind the miniature weapon but he was very much frightened by our shrill yelling he took to his long legs and in a minute was out of sight the leaves had now begun to fall and the heavy frosts made the nights very cold we were forced to realize that the short summer of that region had said adieu still we were gay and light-hearted for we had plenty of provisions and no misfortunes had yet overtaken us in our wanderings over the country for nearly three months one day old smoky day returned from the daily hunt with an alarm he had seen a sign a smoke sign this had not appeared in the quarter that they were anxiously watching it came from the east after a long consultation among the men it was concluded from the nature and duration of the smoke that it proceeded from an accidental fire it was further surmised that the fire was not made by sioux since it was out of their country but by a war party of ojibways who were accustomed to use matches when lighting their pipes and to throw them carelessly away it was thought that a little time had been spent in an attempt to put it out the council decreed that a strict lookout should be established in behalf of our party every day a scout was appointed to reconnoitre in the direction of the smoke 
it was agreed that no gun should be fired for twelve days all our signals were freshly rehearsed among the men the women and the old men went so far as to dig little convenient holes around their lodges for defence in case of a sudden attack and yet an ojibway scout would not have suspected from the ordinary appearance of the camp that the sioux had become aware of their neighbourhood scouts were stationed just outside of the village at night they had been so trained as to rival an owl or a cat in their ability to see in the dark the twelve days passed by however without bringing any evidence of the nearness of the supposed ojibway war-party and the lookout established for purposes of protection was abandoned soon after this one morning at dawn we were aroused by the sound of the unwelcome war-whoop although only a child i sprang up and was about to rush out as i had been taught to do but my good grandmother pulled me down and gave me a sign to lay flat on the ground i sharpened my ears and lay still all was quiet in camp but at some little distance from us there was a lively encounter i could distinctly hear the old herald shouting and yelling in exasperation ooh ooh was the signal of distress and i could almost hear the pulse of my own blood vessels closer and closer the struggle came and still the women appeared to grow more and more calm at last a tremendous charge by the sioux put the enemy to flight there was a burst of yelling alas my friend and teacher old smoky day was silent he had been pierced to the heart by an arrow from the ojibways although successful we had lost two of our men smoky day and white crane and this incident although hardly unexpected darkened our peaceful sky the camp was filled with songs of victory mingled with the wailing of the relatives of the slain the mothers of the youths who were absent on the war-path could no longer conceal their anxiety one frosty morning for it was then near the end of october the weird song of a solitary brave was heard in an instant the camp was thrown into indescribable confusion the meaning of this was clear as day to everybody all of our war party were killed save the one whose mournful song announced the fate of his companions the lonely warrior was bald eagle the village was convulsed with grief for in sorrow as in joy every indian shares with all the others the old women stood still wherever they might be and wailed dismally at intervals chanting the praises of the departed warriors the wives went a little way from their teepees and there audibly mourned but the young maidens wandered further away from the camp where no one could witness their grief the old man joined in the crying and singing to all appearances the most unmoved of all were the warriors whose tears must be poured forth in the country of the enemy to embitter their vengeance these sat silently within their lodges and strove to conceal their feelings behind a stoical countenance but they would probably have failed had not the soothing weed come to their relief the first sad shock over then came the change of habiliments in savage usage the outward expression of mourning surpasses that of civilization 
the indian mourner gives up all his good clothing and contents himself with scanty and miserable garments blankets are cut in two and the hair is cropped short often a devoted mother would scarify her arms or legs a sister or a young wife would cut off all her beautiful hair and disfigure herself by undergoing hardships fathers and brothers blackened their faces and wore only the shabbiest garments such was the spectacle that our people presented when the bright autumn was gone and the cold shadow of winter and misfortune had fallen upon us we must suffer said they the great mystery is offended end of part ten chapter one